Don't nobody, don't nobody want to talk to nobody at 5 o'clock in the morning sitting on a plane. Everybody want to go to sleep. And so I'm sitting there, uh, and, 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 I, and I hear God begin to say some things, and I'm listening, and I, I do my devotional, and I put my, my, my phone up, and I keep hearing God say some things. And finally, it was like the Lord said, you need to write this down. So I took my, my tablet out, and I started typing. And here's what the Lord said. And I just want to read this, and I think it's going to go perfectly with what Pastor Sean has said this morning. He said, do not forget that my plans for you have always been good. He says, for I have desired to cause restoration to come into every area of your life. He said, but know this, your faith will be required. He said, do not allow doubt, fear, or lack to cause you to relinquish your faith. If things appear rough, remind yourself that you are in my hands. And know this, that I will take care of you. He said, do not walk in fear of those things that are happening all around you. For remember, I am with you. I am your friend, and we are in a covenant relationship. He says, when you begin to see all the crazy things happening in the financial realm, he says, know and remember that my angels are already encamped around about you to protect you, and you will never find yourself in need or lack. He says, remember for my servants has declared that I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg for bread. He said, so as you sit here, prepare yourself indeed, for I will take care of you. All of your needs shall be met. He said, but know this, your faith will be required. He said, as you continue to believe my word and trust me with fidelity, I will begin to show you those things that will take you from one level of glory to the next level of glory. He says, and I will walk together through the rest of this year, and great wonders will be done in your life, just as I've always desired, for I will cause you to walk over your circumstances and above your situations. He says, if you will not forget that it is my love and it is my grace that will call these things to be so, he said, but know this, your faith will be required. He said, no matter what this world may bring your way, remember that I am your God. Remember that I am your Lord. But most importantly, remember what I said. I am your friend. He says, our friendship will be key to your manifestation. He said, do not fear and do not doubt, but live your days with a joyful shout. And begin to rejoice and know that I am the Lord your God and that Satan cannot defeat you. He says you and your partners need to be in a place of great thankfulness and appreciation in every situation because I will show you my way. He said now meditate on these things both day and night so that you can observe to do as I have told you. For then shall I make your way prosperous, and then you shall find great success. So I'm sitting on a plane, and that's what the Lord says to me. Then this morning, Pastor Sean comes, and she says, everything that you need for May, God has already declared. God has already made it possible. So if we know anything about God, and we know anything about the devil, everything God says, the devil wants to make it think it's not going to come to pass. So based on that, what we have to understand is that anytime God gives a word, the opportunity to relinquish that word is right around the corner. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, neighbor. say I declare, I declare 
I will not relinquish the word of God. That's right. God said, remember, I am your friend. Now, how many of you know that in a friendship, a real friendship, I ain't talking about some of these friendships we have in, in today's time, but a real friendship, the, in that friendship, you are willing to cover the other person right. whenever it's necessary. So God says, my friendship with you is going to be key to your manifestation because you're going to have an opportunity to let go of the promise that God has made you. But when you have the opportunity, don't take it. There's going to be many opportunities for you to decide that it's just easier not to trust and believe God anymore. It's going to be opportunities to say, you know what, maybe I missed God. Maybe I didn't hear God. Maybe it's not the right time. Maybe it's not the right season. But God has already spoken his word. He's already said in this season, I'm going to cause manifestation to come to you. And so Pastor Sean, last week when she was preaching, she finished up in Psalms 119. And I want us to look at that this morning. Psalms 119. She finished with verse 96. Now, if you were here last week, we got crunk on verse 96 because what it says, what it parenthetically says is this. It says everything human has its limits. It says, but the commandments of God go into eternity, that they expand. That when God says something, it goes beyond human limitations. See, have you ever had somebody promise you something and they had great intentions, but something happened that was beyond their control? And it, and it wasn't that they were bad people. They just couldn't do it because it was beyond their control. God says, if I make you a promise, nothing is beyond my control. So when God says something to you, you have to understand that God is not making you a promise, not knowing all the circumstances that could come against you. God already knows that when he makes you a promise, if God says, if God promises you that he's going to heal you, God already knows what the, what, the, what the result of the disease is. God doesn't say, I'm going to heal you, and then he gets strong by surprise. Oh, well, you know, I can't do that because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't count that. No, God knows. Take it up and say, God knows. God knows. So in Psalms 119, in verse 93, I want you to see this, and I'm reading out the New Living Translation. You read out of whatever translation you may have, we'll end up in the same place. But this is so important because here's what it says. It says, I will never forget your commandments. You, when God says something to you, here's what I think happens sometimes. We come to church. God makes a promise. We get excited. We go home and life happens. And because life happens, we forget what God said till we come back next week. But how do you know that's just as effective as if you go to the gym on Monday and you don't go anymore to next Monday? So it doesn't produce anything. Everything you gained on Monday, you lose during the week. So it's important that when you hear word, you don't just go, oh, well, that's cool, and live your life. You got to dig in that word every day. The issue is people say, well, it don't take all that. Well, it takes all of that to undo the word. That's why you don't do anything during the week. So the reality of it is, is that if I'm going to hear God, if God is going to say to me, do not be afraid. He's only saying don't be afraid because the opportunity for fear is right around the corner. So I don't wait to fear show up and then cry out to God. I declare the whole week I shall not be afraid. Nothing shall come nigh my dwelling place. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me shall, can, shall be condemned. I say things like, God, I thank you that I have more than enough. God, I thank you that there's no lack in my life. Why? Because if I just wait until the situation comes, most people don't have the proper response. Wow. 
That's why we're going to talk today about how do you respond in faith. You know, you ever, you, ever, you ever seen a situation, and I know some of y'all have because we've done this. You see somebody do something to somebody, you go, boy, if that was me, come on. If that was me, I'd have told him so-and-so, or I'd have did this and that, or if that ever happened to me, I'd be like, and then it happened to you, and you fall down scared. Because you don't really know what you're going to do until you find yourself in that situation. That's why the Bible tells us we don't wait till the situation comes, we prepare for it. We prepare for the situation. The reason that police officers, the reason that firefighters, the reason that people who are in stressful situations, the reason they train in real life scenarios is so when something happens, it becomes automatic. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, faith Faith must must become become automatic. automatic. It's got to be. If faith doesn't become automatic, you find yourself in a losing battle every time you face one. And then after you're done, you go, oh, my God, this is what I should have done. So God gives you lessons. He gives you opportunities. He gives you time so that you can practice your faith. Amen. So he so so Psalms 119, we're going back to it. Verse 93. I love it. He says, I will never forget your commandments. That means when God says something, I'm not going to forget it. I'm a, that, that's the reason you ought to write stuff down sometimes. That's the reason you ought to use your phone as a recording device. Your smartphone is designed to make you smarter. <laughs> that, that really is why. They don't really call it a smartphone because of what it does. It calls it a smartphone because it helps you to work smarter. Amen? Yeah. Folk do dumb stuff with smartphones, but that wasn't the purpose of the phone. You can use your smartphone to increase your level of intelligence. Amen. And so it's important that you not forget the things that God has said. It's the reason why in the FOC group, we post the things that God said. Why? Because you may not see them all the time, but you can literally be like, you know, there was one time I was somewhere and I I don't know what. Oh, I got a new phone and I didn't have the confession that GN did about outside your comfort zone. I just went to the group and just typed in confessions, scroll down, found it and put it in my smartphone. Because that's what it's designed for. Why? Because I can't just be like, oh, man, I I lost my comfort zone confession. If you lose your comfort zone confession and you don't make a comfort zone confession, guess what you find yourself stuck in? Your comfort zone. So I make my comfort zone confession. Why? I make my comfort zone because I don't want to be comfortable with the amount of money I make. I don't know why you make it, (laughs) but I make my I don't want to be comfortable in this in this space. We're believing God for a building, right? So I make my comfort zone confession so that I always feel the tension of having to grow. You can't get to the place in your life. And I, and I know people like to say, you know, man, I've got it, I got it made. I feel great. It's good. You don't ever want to get to a place in your life where you don't feel the tension of growth. You don't ever. That's the reason why people don't work out and then just stop working out once they reach their goal. They keep working out. Why? Because they got to keep that tension there. That's the reason why teachers should go to professional development that's good. Because when you go to good professional development, it helps to put that tension on you. Because you see somebody teach a way that you hadn't taught before. You see somebody use a technique you hadn't used before. You see new technology, and then it stretches you to go and try it. That's the reason why when you hear about somebody's faith, you ought to be like, yo, this is an opportunity for me to try my faith. So it says, I will never forget your commandments. It says, for by them, I love this, you give me life. 
He, literally, he says, by the commandments of God, I am giving life. N not existence, but purpose. When Pastor Sean said this morning, she said, God has some things with your name on it. When God gives you a commandment, when God makes a declaration, when God gives a prophecy to you from a man or woman of God, or he drops it in your spirit, or he gives you a word of knowledge, he is only doing that because he wants you to have life. The Bible says in John 10 and 10, it says, it says the thief cometh but to do what? Steal, kill, and he says, but I have come that you might have and that you may have it. The Amplifier says to the full, till it overflows, to the full. Jesus comes so that you don't just have to have some meager existence. People have an issue with us sometimes. I say us, us meaning faith people. Because faith people say, look, I don't care how good my life is. God has more for me. And that irritates people because other people are almost like, how do you think you have the right to say that you're supposed to have more? How do you say that you're the head and not the tail? How do you say you're blessed going in and blessed going out? Well, it's just as easy to say that than to say the reverse. If I got to say something, why I got to say I'm the bottom, I'm the tail? No. If I got to say something, I'm going to say I'm the head and not the tail. I love what the Bible says. He says, look, I put before you life and death. He said, on this day, in case you don't know, choose life. If I got to choose to, if I got to be on earth, right? I mean, I got to be here until it's my time to go. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of trapped here, right? Until it's my time to go. I might as well live a life that's good while I'm here. The word gospel actually means good news. The gospel doesn't mean bondage. Amen. The gospel means good news. He says, so your commandments, I'm never going to forget them. He says, they give me life. He says, I am yours. Rescue me. In other words, Lord, send a word. Because when the word of the Lord comes to you, it, it's, 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 like, it's like one of those, one of those little SOS life rafts they throw out there to you when you're in the middle of the ocean. Why? Because if you grab hold to it, what will it do? It will rescue you. You ever been in a place and you didn't know what you were supposed to do? Here's what's funny. We exhaust everything we know to do, then we ask God. And that's okay, because God don't get upset and be like, well, you should have asked me three months ago. Aren't you glad God didn't like some of us? God just says, hey, I've been waiting on you. All right, here we go. And he'll give you a word. And it's amazing how a sentence from God will change an entire situation. He says, your word gives me life. It rescues me. He says, for I have worked hard. I love this at obeying your commandments. He says, even though the wicked hide along the side and they try to kill me, he says, I will quietly keep my mind on your laws. Here's what you got to remember. The devil's job is never to leave you alone. You just got to you just got to get beyond that. The, the, the devil's job is not to say, oh, I'm going to leave you be. In fact, the more the closer you get to walking in your destiny, the harder he's going to fight you. But that's not the time to be afraid. It's your time to understand that in the midst of all of that, you stay focused on the word. That's why we're going to talk about how do you respond in faith? Because there are going to be faith challenges that are going to come to you and you're going to have to know the appropriate way to respond. 
Because how you respond in a crisis will determine how you live when the crisis is over. Can I say that again? How you respond in the midst of a crisis will determine how you live when the crisis is over. Have you ever heard anybody say something like this? You never make a, a, a short-term decision based off of emotions. You, you, you never make a long-term decision based off of emotions. Because if you do that, if you get emotional and you make a decision, you can blow up everything that was supposed to work out a certain way. And so what faith does is faith allows me to hit the pause button. That's what faith does. Faith allows me to hit the pause button. Why? Because when something is going on in my life, the Bible says that faith and patience are like wonder twins. Y'all used to yeah, you watch that show when you were little, they'd be like wonder twins, activate. One be like bucket, one be like water. Y'all seen that before, right? Faith and patience are like wonder twins. What is patience? Patience is not sitting down saying, oh, whatever happens, happens. Patience is literally the word consistency. So the way I display my faith in God is that when everything around me is going nuts, I stay consistent with what God has said. And when I stay consistent to what God has said, at the end of it, I get to see what God has said. Amen. And then he says in his last verse, he says, everything human has its limits. Everything, everything. Listen, I love you, but there are some things that I simply cannot do for you. As much as I want to, even if I promise them, there are outside circumstances that can hinder me. For instance, on Friday, I had every intention of being home by about 11 o'clock. But when they said the plane ain't leaving, it was nothing I could do. I just had to wait. I had, to be, I had to be there until the plane was able to fly. But the Bible says that God's word is not limited by anything human. God's word is not limited by anything human. So if God says something, it doesn't matter what the economy looks like. If God says something, it doesn't matter what new disease comes on. God said we are healed. They said Zika virus is on the way. I'm still healed. I don't drop what God said because they said Zika on the way. No, I still believe God's word. And what happens is, is that we don't understand that. We hear God's word, but then we get so into our human self, we start to elevate human things above what God's word says. I'll give you a prime example. God says you'll never lack, and then your company lay you off. Now, you got two choices. You either going to freak out and say, Lord, what am I going to do? You're going to start doing everything you can in your own power to make sure that you don't end up in lack. Or you can trust God, hear what God has to say, do it God's way and not be in lack. Because you know what? God has never failed. God has never failed. The reality of it is, is that we don't really now, now we understand that intellectually. But the reality is, based on our behaviors, we don't always believe that about God. Come on now. The reality is we don't always believe that about God. How do I know? Because God tells us he's going to take care of us. Something in the world happens and we all of a sudden forget what God said. That's why he says here, Lord, send your word. Your word will rescue me. Your word will give me life. Everything human has its limits. He says, but I have seen an end of all perfection. But the Lord's commandments are what? 
exceedingly broad. Exceedingly broad. In other words, God's word is big enough for you to walk across. I'm going to let you think about it. God's word is big. So whatever your, wherever you are and whatever your problem is, God's word is big enough to bridge the gap. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. It's, it's big enough for you to walk over. That's the reason why he said to me, he said, I'm going to let you walk over your circumstances and above every situation. Why? Because God's going to always send his word. Now, how many of you know, some of you have heard this a lot this past week. But when life throws you lemons, what should you do? Actually, you should use your faith. (laughs) When life throws you lemons, you should use your faith. (laughs) Because it's in the using of your faith. (laughs) It's in the using of your faith that you come out victorious. Amen? If we desire a positive outcome, then the response that we give in the middle of the challenge is vitally important. In fact, how we respond determines what happens next. And the faith response is the only response that will cause supernatural manifestation. In your life, there are times that you can be smart enough, intelligent enough, have the right connections, be in the right place, say the right thing. You can make some things happen. But even in the best of those situations, you're still limited. And I don't want you to forget that because there are some people who get in their mind, they go, well, you know what? I really hadn't been believing God. I just call somebody. I make this happen. I make this happen. And that can happen for you. But there will come a time where even you will reach your your, your apex. There will come a time where you will not be able to work the situation out because everything human has its limits. Everything human has its limits. The great news is that as believers, we can base our response on the finished work of Jesus Christ. When we talk about faith and grace, here's one of the things that I'm, I, I really want the body of Christ to, to get. And it's always funny because the Lord will drop these things in my heart. I'll talk about them. And then a year or so later, everybody start writing books about them. And, and I, it's, it's just how it works. OK, maybe I should write a book. I get it. Maybe I should. Today, I'm going to talk to you about it, though. There there is this thing called grace. And when we begin to talk about grace, people see grace as like God forgiving us, right? It's like, oh, we have great grace that God's forgiven us, and he has. And and if we mess up God, God, God will receive us, and he won't hold it against us. And that's great. But there's another dimension to grace. There's another dimension to grace. And this dimension of grace that I'm talking about goes hand in hand with faith. Because here is what happens. Jesus, when he went to the cross, the Bible says that he declared it is finished. It's finished. When he said it is finished, literally he wasn't talking about the the, the crucifixion. He wasn't talking about him giving up the ghost. When he said it is finished, he literally said at this moment, I have now reconciled mankind back to God. So then what he does is he leaves earth and he goes to hell. He defeats hell and then he returns to the father. Upon his return to the father, he drops off gifts unto men is what the Bible says. In other words, he says, I'm dropping off everything that pertains to life and godliness. 
So Jesus is now sitting with the Father. The devil is defeated, even though he don't know it. And you and I live in this dispensation where whatever we need is already made available. That is grace. That's what grace is. Grace, grace is the ability of, and the way I can describe it is, is, it's like this. Let's, let's say that, that, that you go fishing, right? And let's say that you go fishing in a particular pond. And in this particular pond, before you go fishing, they back a, a, a truck up and they load the whole pond full of fish. I mean, it's just stock full of fish. Your faith is just you putting the hook in the water. Grace says fish already in there. You, it's not like you fishing and you don't know that fish ain't in there. In fact, it's so many fish that the likelihood of you not getting one is almost zero. So grace says when God tells you to exercise your faith, it's only because he's already stocked the pond. It's only because he's already stocked the pond. And if he's already stocked the pond, then you shouldn't be worried about whether you're going to catch a fish or not. The fact of the matter is there are people who don't like to fish because they feel like when they fish, they're wasting their time. If I go fishing, you got six minutes to get on this hook or I'm out. I ain't going to be sitting out there casting and reeling and casting and reeling. No, I'm casting and you better jump on here. That's how faith works, though. Your faith is like, okay, God says, here is your pun, Kenosha. And then it says, now all I need you to do is take the rod, your faith, and throw it in the water. He says, and once you throw it in the water, it's amazing how many fish you catch in your pond. In your pond. The problem is, is what happens is God tells us to do something, and we say, well, God, I don't see the fish. Come on and preach about it. Now, I know it's fish out there, but I don't really see them. I don't, I don't see the fish. The fish ain't out there for you to see. They out there for you to catch. So when God has something for you, it ain't for you to see it. It's for you to receive it. Take your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to be a person of great faith. So let's talk about how to respond to faith. I want to show you some biblical examples. You know I'm a teacher, and so when I preach, I have to show you things. We have to go to Scripture, amen? And so I want you to get your phone, your Bible, your tablet, whatever you got, and I want you to follow me because I want you to see how to respond in faith. You know, I'm one of those people who I believe that I can't get on to you for not doing your job if I hadn't shown you how to do your job. But if I've shown you how to do your job, you best believe I feel like I can get on to you because you don't do your job. So, so God never holds us accountable for what we don't know. But not knowing is not an excuse for you to live that way. Because you don't want to just be ignorant and have stuff just happen to you by chance, right? The Bible says it rains on the just as well as... But you don't want to be a person who just get wet every now and then. You want to be a person who can produce rain when you need it, amen? So let's look at Romans chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. If we're going to learn how to respond to faith or respond in faith, here's the number one thing you got to learn how to do. You can write this down before we even read the scripture. Number one, you must learn to consider the promise more than the problem. 
You must learn to consider the, prob the, the promise more than the problem. Being saved doesn't exempt you from life circumstances. I can't stand when folks say that. When folks be like, well, you just get saved and everything will be all right. No, when you get saved, all hell going to break loose. It is. It is. Now, the good news is that we have already overcome. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 John, it says, and we overcome even by our faith. So, so we overcome the world by our faith, but in the world, we're going to have troubles. So if you're going to learn how to respond in faith, you have to learn how to consider the promise more than the problem. The Bible says, and being not weak in faith, this was talking about Abraham. Abraham was given a promise. You know the story of Abraham. Abraham was given a promise. He went through life for several years trying to help God, right? Him and his wife were trying to help God, try to produce the promise without, without doing it the way God said and ended up producing a mistake. Amen? But how do you know that even if you make a mistake, God still has the promise for you? So some of you done made a whole bunch of mistakes. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, but my mistakes does not cause me to forfeit the promise. That's right. Unless I put more focus on the mistake. If I spend more time focusing on the mistake that I made rather than the promise that God made, then I'm going to live on whichever one I spend the most time magnifying. Because whatever you magnify in your life, the most gets magnified. It's true. You ever had a situation in your life where somebody did something and you can't really even figure out why it made you so mad? But you hot on the inside. You see them a year later and that thing just rise back up in you. You know why? Because you meditated on it. And whatever you meditate grows up in your life. That's why you got to be careful what you put in your ear gate. It's why you got to be careful what you put in your eye gate. That's the reason, and I ain't trying to be funny or nothing, but it's the reason there's certain movies I can't watch. I can't watch certain movies because they make me mad. Then I meditate on it. Then I go to work. Then I'm mad at folk at work. Like, that ain't that. What, what am I doing that for? So, so, so to avoid it, I don't put it in my eye gate. I don't put it in my ear gate. And there's some stuff, there's some folk who are close to you that you need to guard from your ear gate. You got, you got some friends who, who, are like, who, are, who, are like those, who are like those friends. I call them well-intended fools. They are. They, they well-intended fools. <laughs> they, are, they are well intended, okay? That, in other words, they, they are the people who you share your dreams with, and then they tell you all the reasons why it won't work because they don't want you to be hurt. No, 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 no. They don't tell you that to put you down. They really don't. They just don't have a level of faith to understand what God has called you to. So I call them well intended. But says that a fool says in his heart that there is no God. So I call them well-intended fools because you got to understand if, you, if God tells me something and you're trying to tell me how it can't work, then that means you don't believe in my God. Now the Bible tells us, it says that he staggered not. It says being not weak in faith. Watch this. He considered not his own body. There are times in your life that God makes you a promise you can't consider your own. Your own what? Your own education? You can't consider your own gender. You can't consider your own ethnicity. You can't consider those human factors that say you can't have something. 
I remember, I remember people kept telling me over and over and over and over and over and over and over again when I said I wanted to be a principal, and they told me that I had to be like 40 years old to be a principal. I was like, where is that written? Who says that you got to be an assistant principal before you be a principal? Who says that you got to do all of these other things before you can do? Who says they can't pay you off the salary schedule? People told me that all the time. They was like, well, you can't go and, and, and negotiate a contract in the school district. How come you can't? They said, because everybody's on a salary schedule. Says who? Everybody on a salary schedule because everybody accepted that as fact. Oh, well, I'm going to start this new job, but they only pay X. Says who? Says who? That's what they paid everybody else. But what did God say they would pay you? Now, 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 here's where your quiet mark comes, because now you've got to decide, am I going to be bold enough to tell them folk what God said, or am I going to accept what they say to everybody else? Because if they pay everybody else 70, but I ask for 100, they're going to shoot me out of here. Says who? See, I, 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 say la, say la, say la, because people be like, man, you just don't know. No, you don't know. No, you don't know. I know because it's worked for me. I know. I'm telling you what I know. And what I know is, is that if you get a word from God, you can become so fully convinced of it that you will convince other people. And you ain't got to walk in your job interview talking about, hey, God said. No. In all thy getting, in all thy getting, get an understanding. What I'm saying to you is that when you and God talk, you let God tell you what your salary should be. And then there's the art of negotiation. And then God will teach you how to negotiate. In other words, God will tell you when you go in there, you ask them for X. Ask them for X knowing they're going to give you a rebuttal and they're going to give you this. And then you turn around and you ask for this and they're going to do this and then you meet in the middle. And in the middle is what you really want in the first place. But you can't, be, you, you can't be a person who goes, oh, my God, if I do that and go through that many times, they're going to ask for somebody else. People can smell fear. They can smell fear. This ain't even in my notes, but this is free. They can smell fear. When you are in fear, people will prey on you. And when they know that you want them more than they want you, they'll offer you something that's not valuable. And a lot of times what happens is you will actually ask God for something. God will put you in the situation, but then the devil will come and try to have fear come into your life. So then you will back off of what God said. And when you do, people smell that fear and they prey on you. They offer you $30,000 less than what you wanted. And because you're like, well, God did set this up. He may have set the job interview up, but he didn't set that salary up. Amen, somebody. So what you've got to do is you've got to get to the place where you say, once I hear what God says, I don't move off of it. I don't move off of it. Listen, Pastor Sean and I started praying so that I wouldn't have to go to D.C. every week, okay? I didn't like going. D.C. was fine, but I, I, I like my family, right? So I want to be around my family during the week, amen? So we started praying and believing. And, and at first it was just like, ah, oh, well, it ain't that bad. And when something's not that bad, you're tolerated. Amen. It, I mean, it's not like it wasn't like I was paying for the ticket. It wasn't like I was paying. I mean, in fact, I made more money by going out there because they were paying for everything. Right. I mean, I was eating real good. <laughs> that, that 
per, that per diem was nice, Rich. <laughs> it was, I was eating. Pastor, I'll be like, what you having? Like, oh, I'm like having a, a steak and baked potato. And, and, and she be like, what you having for lunch? Oh, I had a steak and a baked potato. <laughs> Why? Because they were paying for it. So it was comfortable, right? And in your life, there are times that things that get comfortable, but God is a gentleman. God's not going to push you out the door. He's just going to keep saying the same thing over and over. And then you have to get to a place where you're like, you know what? All right, now I'm ready to receive what God had. And when I did that, watch this, I wasn't specific. I just said to God, God, I want to be home. So God worked it out, and I got a job at home. But I didn't tell God to stop. So even though I had got a job, but I hadn't started the job because it was about a month out. I got two more job interviews. And you know me, I went to both of them. I went to both of them. And so now I'm supposed to start a job, but they're supposed to call me on the Friday that I start the job to see if I want the other job. Well, my issue is this. Which one going to do what God said? And whichever one do what God said, that's the one we go with. But you can't be a person who gets intimidated by life circumstances. And by life's challenges, that's right. you got to be a person who says, you know what? If God says something, I don't move off of it. So the Bible, when it talked about Abraham, said he staggered not the promises of God through unbelief, but being fully persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised him to do. That's what faith looks like. Faith says, I'm 100 years old, but I can still have this baby. Now, that was a blessing for him. Wouldn't be for me. <laughs> Amen. My wife and I had an opportunity this week. Oh, oh, was it this week? It was. It, see, see, the opportunity make you forget the week. <laughs> so one of our friends who used to be a partner of the ministry, she came home and, and, and to do some work at Walmart and, and with PNG, some other people. She's on the Korox team, and she brought our baby with her. And we hadn't seen the baby, so we was like, cool, bring the baby. We get to see the baby. On Tuesday, she wore us out. How old is Justice? Six months. Six months. It made me remember. Why I said to her that when Canaan graduates, I'll be 52. And the only thing that breathes in our house is going to be me and her. No fish, no dog, no cat, no nothing. Because there's a season for everything. I mean, ain't nothing going to breathe. We're going to have plastic plants. I mean, it's just going to be me and her breathing in the house. Just me and her. That's it. But the Bible says that even at 100 years old, Abraham staggered not. In other words, it means he didn't waver. The Bible says he considered not his own body. And sometimes when God tells you something, that's what you have to do. You have to not consider what you can see with your human eyes. Amen? So number one, you got to focus on the promise more than the problem. Say, I focus, I focus on, God's on God's word more than, more than any, problem. any problem. Now, the second thing. Okay, there's a story in Acts chapter 16, verse 25 through 28. You know, we're not going to read it, but you're familiar with it. It's the story of Paul and Silas. You remember the story of Paul and Silas when the Bible says they were in jail and they began to sing praises. Here's the second thing. When you are in a faith challenge, learn how to rejoice. When you are in a faith challenge, learn how to rejoice. The Bible says that they began to rejoice and they began to sing songs. It says an earthquake came and it shook the doors off the prison walls. Your praise will cause supernatural deliverance to come into your life. Praise is a weapon of war. It seems counterintuitive. 
that when things are going bad, you would give God praise. I know it seems kind of intuitive, right? It's like when we come to church and, and we don't got a promotion this week. We don't got a new car this week. Our kids got all A's. Uh, we didn't have no programs to go to. We had a, 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 a I, well, that's my, I'm sorry. We didn't have nothing to go to after school. We just had a great week, right? That's the week that you think you come in and be really giving God praise. The week you ought to come in and praise God the most is when you done had a week from hell. Yes, that is the week that you come in here and you go, you know what? I, that's, that's when you show up at 830 and you start helping us set up. That's Because you're like, I can't wait to get started. The problem is, is that we give into our flesh, though. We have a bad week, and what we do is stay home. We have a bad week, and instead of coming out and saying, you know what, I'm going to get with some believers, and I'm going to give God some praise. We, we take a week out. We need a break. From what, the devil whooping your behind? No, you don't. You don't need a week from, you don't need a break from that. You need to come, and you need to learn how to push into the word of God. So number two, if you're going to be in a faith challenge, learn how to give God praise. Paul and Silas were not ashamed in their faith, in their faith, in their faith response. There are times that God will tell you something, you will pronounce it to the world, and the whole world will get to see how it looks like it's not coming to pass. That is not the time to, to shrink back and be ashamed. Amen. It's not the time to shrink back and be People ask us all the time, they say, well, why did y'all leave Northwest Arkansas? Why did y'all come back to Northwest Arkansas? Because we are always following God. And if we miss him, we don't just go, oh, we miss God, we too shame. We just get back on track where we missed it. That's the reason why when you mess up during the week, you are not hot at home on Sunday. You slipped at Sam Warehouse. We get it. Come on to church anyway. We get it. We understand. We've been there. We're not judging you, but if you're going to do that, you ought to show up here. It's counterintuitive. People are like, oh, man, I kicked it too hard. I shouldn't go to church. No, you kicked it hard, but get on up and come to church. Why? Because it's in the presence that God will be able to speak to you. Now, that's the one thing I can tell you. And I don't know what about these new millennial people, but, but, but we used to kick it and then go to church. I'm telling you. <laughs> now, now y'all looking at me crazy, but, but, but it was in the kicking it and going to church that I began to hear God say, stop kicking it. The issue for a lot of people is they kick it and don't go to church and they never hear God say stop. So you 32 at the club with the 19-year-olds. At some point, if you keep coming, God will say, enough is enough. <laughs> He'll say, let, let, let that go. When you go home from the club, icing your knees and everybody else not, he'll be like, hey, you need to slow your road. Slow your road. You've been there too long. But if you just don't ever come and get in the presence, you miss those cues. Amen? <laughs> so you cannot be ashamed. If you make a mistake, if you miss it, if you thought you heard God and you went after it with 100% and you find out that you failed, you don't shrink in shame. You say, God, I missed it, but I'm glad that I know you'll help me get back on track. And then you get back on track. Because watch this. I want to say this. And I want to say this loud and clear. If you walk with God long enough, you will miss him. Amen. That's right. 
But you hear me? If you walk with God long enough, you will miss him. In the same way that if you went blind today and you had to learn to walk without your sight, you're going to hit something eventually. That don't mean you can't find your way around, but, but eventually you're going to hit something because a blind person in a new situation has to feel their way around. Well, if you ain't never walked by faith, you get it? And now you're walking by faith, you're groping a little bit. But the more you walk by faith, the more you find out where things are. And so you can, literally, I'm amazed when I'm in D.C. And I see these blind people walking down the street. I mean, they know exactly how many steps it is to the curb. They stop. They listen to the sounds. And nobody's helping them. The thing changes, make a little ding, and they, they take off. Why? Because they have done it so many times. If you learn to live by faith so many times, you can do it automatically. You can do it automatically. There's a story of one, of one of Pastor Sean's favorite stories is the story of the Shunammite woman. And, and we're not going to study that whole thing today, but, if, but what, what, what you'll find, though, is that in the midst of a faith challenge, she did this one thing. This one thing. You read the whole chapter. You find out this one thing. In a faith challenge, this is number three, she learned to say the right thing. And when you are in a faith challenge, the one thing you have to teach yourself how to do is to say the right thing. Now, I always stun people when I do it, and sometimes I do it for the stunning factor. But I want you to get the picture. And you'll love me if you love me. If you don't, you don't. But words are powerful. The Bible says in the beginning that it was dark. I mean, it was pitch dark. It says the world was void and without form. God then said what? Let there be The fact that he said let there be light has a determining factor on what happens to us right now. He said the right thing, right? Can you imagine if he had said the wrong thing? Can you imagine if he stepped out from the heavenlies and he saw how dark it was and he responded like us? And he saw all the darkness and all the void that had happened because you realize that he created the world and it was beautiful. Then Satan hit the earth and then it was void and without form. Can you imagine? If he said the wrong thing. Because if he responds like us, there are times in our life that something's happened and we don't give the right response, do we? We look at him, we see everything's messed up and we don't say, hey, let there be light. We say what most people would say, right? Damn, it's dark. Right? Come on. That, that's what we say. See how y'all shot y'all are? But he didn't say the wrong thing. Because if he had said the wrong thing, it'd still be dark. People get shocked all the time. And y'all gonna live and be like, oh, God, I can't believe he cut. You cut yesterday. He didn't say that. He had the opportunity to do just like you and I did, to see a situation and to respond in the wrong way. But he showed us how do you respond the right way. You don't say what you see, you say what you want to see. So he said, hey, you know what? This is not how I created this. It's dark. He said, let there be light. The Bible says, and there was light. 
Amen. Your life, you got to learn how to respond the right way. Amen. You don't get your check and say stupid stuff like I'm already broke. Right. <laughs> Why would you say that? Why would you say when you get your check, you already broke? Because if you do that, guess what you're going to be? Broke. I can't stand when flu season comes. Everybody, like, you better go get your flu shot. No. Better go get your flu shot. You know the flu coming. Not to my house. We declare. I have never. I have never in my life had a flu shot. Not once. And I've never had a flu to put me in the hospital. Have I had a common cold? Yeah. But, but, but I know people got a flu shot and had pneumonia. Right. So what you want me to do? Let me. Let me just get this right. You want me to take a live virus and inject it in myself. So that my immune system will somehow recognize that virus and begin to produce antibodies. When I got a heavenly father who can cause my body to produce the same antibody without you infecting my body with that virus. But it's all about what you believe. And whatever you believe, that's how you are going to respond. Now, people look at me like I'm crazy, but I ain't never got a flu shot. I ain't never been sick. I'm not going to be sick with the flu. Now people go, no, you, you, you can't say that, Pastor Edward. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. The word says you can say that. In fact, one of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who heals. Not the Lord God who gives you a shot. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against medicine. If God told you to go that route, because God has multiple ways of healing you. But you got to understand, you can't let what goes on in the world dictate everything you do. My wife had an instance that I'll never forget. And I, I actually told her she should have the surgery. And, and the thing is, you can have well-intended foods all around you, right? I said that, I said that earlier. See, I don't exempt myself from it just because I said it. She was having, she, literally like every couple of weeks, she was in the hospital. I mean, she's thriving in pain. She's almost like tears in her eyes. We're going to this doctor, to this doctor, to this doctor. Nobody can figure out what's wrong. One doctor finally says he thinks it's a gallbladder. So we get ready to have the surgery. She comes to me and says, the Lord said, don't, don't, get, don't, don't let them do the surgery. I'm like, girl, two and three o'clock in the morning, we up at this hospital, that gallbladder coming out. The question is, who you going to let take it out? So we're going back and forth, and she's like, no, I'm serious. The Lord said don't do that. And at some point, you got to allow people, watch this, even in, those, even in the life who's close to you, you got to trust them enough to let them hear God for themselves. So while, my, while I really wanted her to be free of this pain, she kept saying, nope, 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 not going to do it. She kept going to the doctor, kept saying, gallbladder, gallbladder, gallbladder. And she was praying. And the Lord told her, the Lord told her, he said, your intestines are twisted. Now, we've been to doctors, right, who done racked up all kind of degrees and everything. And here's, here's what I found amazing. She'd go to the doctor and they said, where you? She'd say, she would say to them, they would say, have you been to the doctor before about this? She said, yeah. And what do they always ask you? What do they say? And she would say what? And they go, they push around and go, yeah. I think it's your gallbladder. They practicing. They don't really know either. They well intended, but they didn't know. And so the Lord says to her, he says, listen, it's your intestines. He says, what was that stuff he told you to drink? Oh, he told her to go to the doctor and don't tell them the next time what the other doctor had said. 
And then they figured out that what? It was your intestines that was twisted. And what was the stuff he told you to take, though? Metamucil. <laughs> now, you know Metamucil. You, buy, you just buy that from the store. So now you, so now watch this. So, so she, so if she had followed the conventional wisdom, she'd have had her gallbladder taken out and still had her intestines twisted. But when you get a word from God, God's not practicing. That's the difference. That's the thing you got to see about faith. When God gives you a word, God's not shooting in the dark. God is giving you a specific word. So he tells her to take the Metamucil. She takes the Metamucil, and literally, her intestines straighten back out. She's never had a problem with that thing since, and she still has a gallbladder. How many things have we let somebody take out of our life? Because we listened to what they had to say rather than what God had to say. We have forfeited some things because we didn't allow God to give us a word. But when God gives you a word, the thing you have to learn to do is to respond based on what God said. Amen. Amen. So you got to learn how to say the right thing. One of the things you got to understand is that Jesus uses this lesson in the Bible about feeding the 5,000. You remember, with the, and you know the story, the Bible says that they didn't have enough to feed everybody, right? And so the Bible says this little boy comes over with what, like some fish and some loaves. And so the Bible says that Jesus took it, but watch what he did. He didn't just take it and start to do something in his own power. Don't miss this. This is number four. In a faith challenge, here's how you respond to faith. You offer what you have to God first. So when you find yourself in a faith challenge, I know you have been to school. I know you got degrees. I know that you're intelligent. I know that you have wisdom. I know that you have insight. I know all of that. But what you must understand is that when a faith challenge comes, you need to offer that problem to God first. So they had a problem. The problem was they didn't have enough to feed everybody. And if you know anything about people being mad, it's when they don't listen to a preacher for a long time and they're hungry. <laughs> when you don't listen to somebody preach for a long time and you're hungry, and then they say the benediction, and then they tell you it ain't no food, somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> I don't listen to you preach all day, and now you tell me you ain't got nothing for me to eat. This ain't going to work, Jesus. So the Bible says that literally what Jesus did is he got the fish and the loaves, and the Bible says he took it, it says, and he offered it up to God. And he asked God to bless it. Now, what did Pastor Sean say that word bless means? Empowered to prosper. He said, Lord, empower this food to feed the 5,000. And the Bible says that once he offered it to God, he took it and he began to break it. And every time he broke it, it was enough for the next person. It was enough for the next person. And the Bible says that it was so much left that they had to gather the fragments together and they gathered like 12 baskets of the fish and the loaves together. Why? Because everything human has its limits. But when God speaks, his word, his commandment is exceedingly broad. It even goes into eternity. So when you are in a faith challenge, don't try to fix your problem first. Offer your problem up to God. God, I don't have enough money. God, I don't know what to do. God, what should I say to my kids? You know, 
I'm telling you, as my kids get into their teenage years, I thank God that he teaches us what to say to them. Because I watch people talk to their teenage kids and they talk to their teenage kids in such a way that if I was a teenager, I might rebel too. But God will give you wisdom. Pastor Sean said this years and years and years and years ago when we decided to make it a part of our family. Taylor was probably six or seven years old and we started making a confession that our teenage years would be sweet years. There's this... You don't read in the Bible where it says, and at the age of 16, thou shalt act as a fool. <laughs> it just doesn't say that anywhere. It just doesn't. It doesn't say, and thou shalt have the terrible twos. It doesn't say that. But if you prophesy over your baby, oh, they turn in two. They starting to act up. They get acting the fool all the time. Well, then, yeah, that's what they're going to do. If you prophesy, Stuff like that over your kids, don't be surprised when they're two years old tearing your house up. <laughs> don't be surprised if you start saying stuff like, oh my gosh, they're reaching those teenage years. They're reaching those teenage years. They're, they're going to start lying to us. Says who? Says who? But if you begin to say that out of your mouth, that's what's going to come to pass. When your kids have faith challenges, start challenging them. Say to them, why did you do that? What did God say when you did that? And don't take I don't know as, a, as, an, as an answer. Because our kids know if you say I don't know, you just increase your time standing here. You don't know? Oh, we got wait time. Ask God right now. Why'd you do that? Because if you don't learn to ask him before, you're going to have to learn to ask him after. Oh, yeah. So we can try. So, so that's the same thing for you. If you don't learn to ask God before the situation, you're going to have to spend time asking him after. So you might as well just start to say, you know what? Before I do anything, I'm going to ask God. One of the funniest stories, I'm going to close with this, and we'll come back to some of this in the next week. One of the funniest stories, it wasn't funny to them. It was funny to us. We were in northwest Arkansas. We had a group of people who was ready to get off the hill. They were ready to go back home, right? Weather said that there was going to be a terrible storm. Pastor Sean and I said, hey, we think y'all should stay up here. Was it Christmas? It was Christmas. And you know, folks won't get home. And when you're a college student, you won't get home for Christmas because that's how you get a little gift you get. You know, you know when, you, when you reach that age, if you don't go home, you don't get nothing. So they was trying to get up off this hill. And we said to them, hey, you know what? You ought to wait, man. We, 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 in fact, we said, you know, it, it was like, hey, the, the Lord said, y'all need to wait. They said, well, we, we saw the weather. We, we can beat it, Pastor. We can beat it down the hill. I said, well, I don't think y'all should do that. That's dangerous. Y'all, you know, but they're but they, they, they adults, right? I mean, they're young, but they're adults. They struck out down that hill, got to Conway, had to sleep in the car, couldn't move on the side of the road. Now, if you're going to be stuck, was it not better to be stuck on the hill in your own bed than to be stuck on the side of the interstate with it freezing? God loves us enough that sometimes he'll let us leave the hill. He'll let you go on and go. He'll be saying to us, don't do that. Wait a minute. Hold on. Not so fast. Not today. Just wait a minute. You say, nope, I'm gone, God. They'll let you go. But here's the great thing about God. Even when you get stuck in Conway, 
in the car, in the cold, with 23 degree weather, while your cell phone about to go dead. <laughs> he'll watch over you. Not only will he watch over you, he'll rescue you. But you ought to not want to live your life always having to be rescued. There, there, comes a, there, there comes a time where you don't want to live your life always having to have somebody reach down and pull you out of some mess. So you've got to learn how to respond in faith. You've got to learn how to say the right thing. You've got to learn how to magnify your promise bigger than your problem. You've got to understand that when life comes at you, that's not the time for you to shrink. It's not the time for you to give in. It's not the time for you to cave in and quit. That is your opportunity to say, you know what? Here is a faith challenge, and I'm going to pass it. I'm going to pass it. Because if you don't pass it today, you know what's going to come next week. As long as you live, you're going to have faith challenges. The issue is, are you going to become strong enough to pass the test? One of the reasons we teach about faith is because we want you to be strong enough to pass the test. I believe that in the month of May, just like my wife said, there are going to be great things that God wants to give you. But just because he wants to give them to you doesn't mean the devil wants you to receive them. So this is going to be, your, this is going to be a faith month. We, remember, we started this year off by saying this is a year of what? Great grace. This is the grace. The grace is, is that God has already made it available for you. All you got to do is put your rod in the pond. That's all you got to do. Put your rod in the pond. And if you do it, you'll come up with every fish that you need. Amen? Come on, give the Lord some praise this morning.